You're listening to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 65, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 209 and Uncanny X-Men number 138 from July 1980. And welcome to the 65th episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Just as a reminder, folks, I know I did this on the last episode, but you don't need to touch the dial. All right. You're not in the wrong place. We renamed the show from Crusader Chronicles to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. But that is it. The format's not changing. Uh, we're still going through the same comics. We only did it so we're easier to find in search engines for people that are looking for Amazing Spider-Man content. So it's just a name change to the show. We did also change the logo. But aside from that, format's the same. Everybody's the same except Delvin's not here. So this is falling apart fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Delvin's no longer part of the program. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, wait. That was a surprise for later. Did we leave him over at Crusader Chronicles? <laughs> no, Delvin couldn't make it tonight. But seriously, everything else is the same. Just a rename. Just a new logo. Everything's going to be okay. Back to you, Pat. Thank you, Jarrett, for that reminder. And speaking about changing the name, let me tell you what Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles is about. It's a podcast that will journey the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in a digital in a trade or from the many lawn boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode, we'll provide short recaps, reviews, and some ratings of the issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way, talking about them with my friends. And as Jarrett mentioned, I'm one friend less this time around. So, you know, I'm looking for another friend to make a foursome with. We got, you know, the golf clubs ready. We like to have a good foursome when we go out on the course. So if anybody's interested, there's a spot open. Unless Delvin comes back, which he probably will. But anyway, we're always looking for guests as well, too. So, but joining me this time around is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Death Probe. All right, Pat, on tonight's episode, I'm going to have you prove your manliness. I'm going to release all these wild animals, and I want you to corral them all back up. Mm. Uh, Due to a bit of a snafu as far as, like, what we were supposed to order, I don't know if it was Laurel, I don't know if it was Mary Jane, but I asked for wild animals, I ended up with animal crackers. So I'm just going to dump this whole bin of animal crackers out, and then you just got to... I got to cover it on that one. All right. Hey, you don't mind if I ice them down a little bit? No, man. Do what you, you know, got to do. I like a Prove little, your manhood. Yep, yep. I think I'm going to get them to sit a little trap for them where they can walk in and then get covered in some frosting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a little Jimmy sprinkles on that. Yeah. Okay. I got the OA. I, I got to handle it. Ooh. Watch out, little Debbie. <laughs> With no heroin. <laughs> oh, so it'd be a good time. I'm excited to do that. That's something I think I can handle. Speaking about something I can handle, let's go ahead and say hello to Jason the Weasel Skull. Ulbrich, how are you? 
Weasel Skull inner monologue gathered here today to record for the 65th time Crusader Chronicles. It's Thinking back Chronicles in your in your monologue, it's amazing. Remembering the first time that we did Crusader Chronicles, Pat, me. All right, you cut off. <laughs> I see what you're doing, and I don't like it. Jared's giving me the evil eye. <laughs> I wonder what's going through their minds. Are they oh, feeling Lord. the torment that I'm feeling? <laughs> yeah. no. I'm no. I, I can I'm see great, Jason. Pat. Thanks, uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> I, can, I can see Jason is talking and wondering what's on my mind. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't know that. I don't want to sing anything this time around. Oh, man. Oh. Anyway, oh I'm, oh, I'm great, Jason. How about you? Uh, good to hear. Good to hear. All right. Well, as Jared had mentioned earlier on, we are one Crusader member short. We are without the Delvin the Dark Web Williams. We've given him the night off. He will be missed, but he may be back in a little bit just to help us out with the review. We will get to that in just a little bit. Before we do, we just I want to remind you that you can give us a call and leave us a voice message that we just might play on the show later on. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure that those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. 
Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pick on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get into the first featured comic for this episode. And it is Amazing Spider-Man number 209. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of October 1980. Its on-sale date was July 8th, 1980. Cover price is just 50 cents. Editor was Al Milgram. Writer is Dennis J. O'Neill. Penciler, Alan Lee Weiss. Inker, Klaus Jansen. Inker, Bob McLeod. Inker, Joseph Rubenstein. Inker, Bob Wycheck. Oh, and then I have to mention, Inker, Alan Milgram. <laughs> it's like a murderer's row of inkers. <laughs> yeah. And I think you I can tell you why, right by the way. Around, baby, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, boys. In case you didn't notice when you read this issue, and maybe we'll discuss it a little later on, this still feels like we're in a bit of a wheel spinning, a little bit of fillery mm, yeah. area. And you've got one, two, three, four, five inkers on this book. Yes. That tells you they're trying to get this thing out the door. We also, we're about to talk about this, have a non-traditional cover artist. So we get this book out the door. So I got to thinking, why? Why would this be? And don't you worry, I have a theory. I looked it up. And Jim Shooter became editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics in 1978. So we're now two years into Jim Shooter's run. And I don't know if you guys know anything about Jim Shooter's run. He has a reputation of being very, very tough. But he got that reputation because he was hard about deadlines. And he thought, if you're subscribing to Marvel, you get your book on time. And I think we are seeing the emergence of that attitude. He's been there for about two years now. And I think we've been seeing that in the last few yeah. episodes okay. of, the, of the show as we've gone through Amazing Spider-Man. I think we're really seeing the get the gosh bleepity bleep book out on time, Jim Shooter, really starting to emerge here. And I think it's kind of a fascinating time uh, in comics. So anyway, I, I, I don't have the paperwork to back this up, but this is the serious vibe I'm getting here. And I bet money that I'm right. Now, would you guys prefer that it be out on time? Or the other opposite of it, of not being out on time and, you know, what would you prefer? That's a good question. I'll let Jason go first. Well, I'm thinking about the extreme opposite of that would be Image Comics when they first came out with that historic run of Wildcats and and, uh, the other stuff. (laughs) Savage Savage Dragon, Shadowhawk. Right, right. All those things. And I, I was all aboard with the Wildcats when it came out big Jim Lee fan and like it got to the point where there was so much time that lapsed between books that I thought the book was canceled a couple times. I guess, I guess it's not coming out. It's been like three months. Right. Mm-hmm. So when it got to that point, it's like, as a reader, it's just not fun anymore. You can't keep up with the continuity. Yeah. So that's kind of my personal experience. And so to directly answer your question, I would prefer the book come out 
on time or as close to on time as possible. Jared? I'm going to take a middle of the road answer on this one. I think ultimately, I, clearly, I think in an ideal world, we'd get it monthly with a, at a high quality. And that can't always happen because of the way things go. I just want it to be predictable. Like if you're going to come out every three months, just tell everybody that it's a quarterly book mm-hmm. uh, or like X-Men used to be every other month. Everybody, and yep. that was known. Like I'd rather if instead of them just doing filler to make time, I'd rather make an announcement at the back of the book, say, Hey, we've gotten behind for the next year. Spider-Man is going to be every other month. As long as I know that. Yeah, I can see that. And the quality is still good. I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's my middle of the road answer. Pat, what about you? I kind of like that approach, but I also lean towards it being out on time because I'm more of a story driven guy. So I can take art, comes in, it goes, uh, that definitely enhances the story, but I, I do like the, the world building and, and all that's going on. And like Jason said, you know, if I'm not getting that in something that I'm expecting it to be out every month and, and continuing to build that world for me, then you, then you forget about it. Right. Or you're onto something else that catches your eye. So you don't keep that, you know, that audience there captivated and wanting and hungry for the next one where, you know, yeah, maybe a, a month or, or, Maybe another, maybe two months. I'm still kind of hungry for it, but after a while, it's like, meh, that's okay. You know, I, I found something else, you know, to to feed that hunger now. So it's interesting just to see what people think, and I can definitely see what Jim was probably trying to do if that's what he was doing. You know, to keep that steady flow of, hey, we're constantly putting out stuff. You know, just you know, we talked about that with podcasting. It's content, content, content. Get that content out there, consistent to keep. Uh, yeah, because people are. are you know, tend to expect or just look for things to come out in a manner. So good conversation, but let's continue on with, let me ask you a question. Who is the letterer of this? book? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Jared. <laughs> let me tell you that you're probably wondering who is the letterer for I this was book. Dying. I need to know. Yeah. Was there more than one editor or letterer on this book? I get the vowels. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's I guess it's funny. It took me a second. <laughs> Well, the letterer was Mark Rogan, and the colorist is the Bob Sharon colorist. This was reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 9, also on Marvel Masterworks Volume 268 of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 20. And you can also get this on Marvel Unlimited. Cover credits go to artist Alan Lee Weiss. So not only was he the penciler, but he also drew this cover. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. The uh, Markville Comics Group banner has kind of been replaced here by a Toys R Us shopping spree ad, but Spindy is still swinging in his corner box, which is green, and the Amazing Spider-Male logo is red with black highlights, which includes the webs. The main action is Spider-Guy in some sort of natural history museum who's being attacked from behind by Kraken the Hunger who's wheeling some kind of a dinosaur skeleton. Yeah, the joke here is that everything feels just slightly off-brand on this one. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you for that cover description. Let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts, and we will start with Jason. I have a feeling I'm going to be the outlier here, but I really like this cover. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because I've been used to all the other Spider-Man covers, but this Spider-Man looks pretty cool. I like the heavy inks on it. It it gives him a sleek appearance. It looks like he's been hitting that P90X. I like the pose. It looks great. Then let's talk a little bit about Craven the Hunter. 
I don't know if he's considered an A-list Spider-Man villain from his rogues gallery, like, oh, I don't know, Dr. Octopus or Green Goblin. But Craven's always been one of my favorite villains. So just seeing Craven on the cover really just kind of piques my interest. Then to have him swinging the, <laughs> the big dinosaur skeleton is like, my boy Spy's going to get busted up by a, I don't know, Stegosaurus skeleton or something. And, uh, and then if you look in the background, and, and he's obviously in some sort of museum, which is just kind of a cool venue for this fight to happen. There's just an awful lot I really like about the cover. And again, just really distracted about the Toys R Us shopping spree banner across the top. But y'all are tired of hearing me whine about that, so I'll just stop there. You got that right. <laughs> Pat, it sounds like you recently edited something <laughs> i did i did yes i recently had to listen to it on the last uh podcast that i edited for <laughs> no it was fine it was fine just got to give you some grief there but yeah very good jared what's your thoughts well i hinted at it in my description that everything feels just slightly off brand from the marvel comics group banner becoming sort of a small box over the corner box because of the Toys R Us ad to this completely new flavor of the art of the cover. Like unlike anything we've seen pretty much since we've been doing uh, Crusader Chronicles now, Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, but that doesn't mean I think it's bad. All right. The joke sure. was that it's off brand, mm -hmm. but you know, you got Oreo, you got Hydrox. And by the way, Oreo is the off brand version of Hydrox. Hydrox came first. Oreo was the knockoff that sl became slightly more popular, but that's a whole other podcast waiting to happen. All I'm saying is, I like Hydrox. I like Oreo. So I I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just, it stands out as sort of an oddball, but not sure. necessarily a bad one, as you'll probably see when I score it. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, I take Jason's point on this Spider Man looks really cool and very well drawn. And so does Craven. It's just the background. I think the yellow, that kind of the light, the light yellow on the background throws me off a little bit and just makes me think like, eh, you know, like you said, there's something's off about this one. But definitely uh, the Spider-Man looks really cool in this. And, I, you know, the banner again, too, with, with Jason. Eh, I, I can't remember. I haven't looked at the next issue to see, are they still continuing this? Or is it just this month? I don't know. Last month it was the 10 speed now it's toys r us marvel must have did something to make to try to make some money and so did it work maybe it did i don't know but i think with that why don't we go ahead and get into some cover ratings as a reminder for the rating system here on amazing spider-man chronicles it's a one through five five as you loved it it tickled your tummy feathers <laughs> four you really liked it mm. three liked it mm. two didn't like it mm -mm. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. You're not so good. Well, let's start with Jared. What are you going to rate this one? Um, I still like it. And I forgot to mention in my incoherent ramblings about the cover, what Jason mentioned. I think Craven is just a good looking villain. He's got a great design. He's yeah. got really cool colors. I love it when he shows up. It makes me happy uh, when Craven shows up in the comic. So he's just, he's, He's a, he's a man after my own heart. Uh, so that goes a long way. Having said all that, I'm going to give it a 3.5. No further questions. Nope, nope. We have no questions, only a demand because you know the law. <laughs> uh, somewhere between three and a four, Pat. Somewhere between three and a four. That's very vague. 
That's like a 3.5, which we don't do. So oh. try again. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> here's what I'll say. Okay. It's a three and a half. You can't do it in halves. Do you remember a guest at your house right now? Is that what you're trying to say? All right, all right. You know what? I'm going to settle in on a three. I'm going to do like a used Remember back in the day when I used to do it like a weatherman? It's a strong three. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I can accept a strong three. All right, it's a strong With a forefront coming yeah. in. <laughs> just a forefront coming in. Yeah, I, I think ultimately there's just something about the pose of Spider-Man that holds me back from going to four. I, I, something about his left hip, I don't quite like the way it's drawn out, but uh, it's a strong three. I like it. All right, that's fair. Jason, I'm at a four. I really like this one. Maybe I'm just a, a little bit of a homer because it's new, but I love Craven. I love the pose. The only thing that keeps me from hanging it on the wall is that banner, which I swear to Pat, I wouldn't go into anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you. And I, Jason mentioned this before too, but I just love the weapon choice of Craven. He's like, oh, I'm going to hit you with a yeah. skeleton. Like, not a bone from the skeleton. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. He just yeah. picked up. I'm going to. Well, because he Craven's, you know, he's the man. He's like, I'm all gonna get you. I'm all spitting vinegar, vinegar here. Rrr. I know, and I know uh, it's not my turn. It's Pat's turn to tell us what he's gonna score. But I like the dynamic energy of it all. But it, like, clearly, Craven's about to fall on his and bust his right kneecap on the floor because he's <laughs> leaned way too far over. <laughs> Especially in slippers. Anyway, yeah, I know. he's got this, this like he's the only guy that can, he's got the cool outfit on, but he's got some slippers. I I wish he went full Persian and they had the little toe curl back, oh, yeah. you know, maybe with a bell on it. Anyway, I'm sorry, Pat. What are you scoring this? I'm gonna be with you at three. It's not a strong one for me. It's more of a you know, it's a three. It's getting in by. Do you, not, like, do you not have as strong of a love for Craven? Do you not get as excited when he shows up? You know, a little bit. I guess I don't have that, that, that big of a love difference. for him because it, you know I've I've read some here and there of Craven. You know I, I remember the McFarlane run that he had Craven in was kind of cool. You know, but with the McFarlane way that was done, but eh, you know he, he may grow on me. Did he have? Because when yeah. McFarlane took over Spider Man, Craven was dead. He had him under the 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 adjectiveless Spider Man. Mm-hmm. But Craven was dead by then. But you know who did feature in the very first story arc? Calypso. Calypso. That's what oh, you're thinking of. It? Oh yeah, maybe that has more to say was. about that. Okay. Me too. But the, but they kind of yeah. All right. Maybe I'm a boy. See now you got me thinking. This is what happens when you take too many pipes from 221B. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. Um, you know, they, you, you put a tiger on your shirt. I, I'm all confused. <laughs> tiger <laughs> breast. It's Craven. It's Craven. No, it's Tiger. No, it's uh, who is it? I don't know. Pat's been watching the, uh, ah. Pat's been watching the D- Detroit Cravens play baseball for years. <laughs> <laughs> I can drink two cats over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I knew, but, uh, you get me. You dupe me. Oh, but anyway, I'm going with a three on it. And with that, why don't we go ahead and get into the story? with a very special synopsis brought to you by Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. 
title of this issue was To Salvage My Honor. Craven the Hunter is preparing a shipment of wild animals to come to New York and that's it. He's older, wiser, doesn't want anything to do with Spidey. You know who doesn't like that? Calypso. By the way, Pat, did you know that Jared said a trained chimp could do a better job DJing than you? Does that make you mad? Anyway, after Pete bombs with Debbie Whitman again, he heads to the dock. It's based off of something Debbie said and actually doesn't run into Craven, but Craven does see him. So does Calypso, who intentionally releases the wild animals to force action. Craven and Spidey both retrieve all the wild animals in their own styles. Oh yeah, Jason, did you know that Jared said cats are dumb and you were a terrible big brother growing up? Aren't you just furious? Calypso finally goes Craven into an encounter with Spidey, lying all the way, and the two foes do duke it out in a museum in a pretty pitched battle that Spidey barely wins. Jared, Jared, Pat said to the guys over at Fire and Water that you are the yard sale fartist and made a loud fart sound to make the point. Everyone laughed. A lot. You must be humiliated. The only thing I did miss was a Daily Globe vignette where the new owner is some dude named Rupert Dockery, who is not very scrupulous, and a very quick appearance by Spider-Woman and her very shapely derriere. Don't write in with the comments. Every time they show this woman, they intentionally show that apple. Oh yeah, I was lying about all those rumors. I only said them because I want you all to be at your best at all times. Hopefully you listen to this through the whole way without wrecking LBCHQ. Anyway, back to you, Pat. Now I understand why Devlin didn't want to be here this time. You son of a b- <laughs> Well, uh, ah! uh, so Oh! <laughs> better DJ than me, what? What? Cats are stupid. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, all right, guys. I think it's time we settle down here. I, I you know finally understand what he meant at the last part of it. I, I think he was just trying to get us all angry and get us to you know just be the best that we could be and and i think we can i think Delvin's right he's stupid (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna answer everything with fart noises i'm the yard sale fart (laughs) that was a good one (laughs) it was pretty funny (laughs) i mean (laughs) (laughs) oh all right well now let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue Is it a first read or a reread? We'll start with Jason. It's a first read for me. Jared? I think it's first read. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a first read for me, too. So that makes it a reading rainbow. Reading rainbow. Reading rainbow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I like it when we rainbow. We had one layer out, though, man. It doesn't sound the same without. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We're missing that <laughs> harmony. We're missing that four-part harmony. Stripped-down version. Yeah. <laughs> Unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some high lows or what the for this round. For the first round, we will go with Jared. You got a high low or what the? Oh man, there's so much to cover here. There is. I mean, let's do the obvious. You know, Delvin alluded to it in the synopsis. Like the big takeaway from this is that Calypso is like one massive manipulator, like evil woman. Like this is all her fault completely. And like all she's doing is instigating, which I thought was pretty funny. And I'm going to bring that back to what we were talking about before about adjectiveless Spider-Man. 
honestly, Pat, I thought that was the first appearance of Calypso. Oh, like okay. I had never same. read about her before. When I saw her in this, I was like, oh, that's cool connection. I felt the same. Yeah. And so uh, that was just neat. But yeah, like she's much more haunting and um, imposing and frightening in adjectiveless Spider-Man. And here she's just a straight up instigator. Mm-hmm. I feel like Denny O'Neill like just broke up with his girlfriend. <laughs> <and> he was <laughs> taking it out on this character. She is like one of those girlfriends that's like, oh, my boyfriend's going to beat your ass. You know? <laughs> like, Shut up, man. No, no I'm not. <laughs> I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> I'm just trying to be cool here. I'm, you know, I got my trench coat on. I'm trying to hide. I don't, I'm just trying to sell my animals and get, you know, just pass my time here. Craven says till she gets all up in his ear, like, you know, making him all crazy like that. She's definitely the devil on his shoulder in this issue. Mm-hmm. Jason, do you got a high, low or what the, well, Jared nailed it out of the gate with Calypso. I felt exactly the same. First time I saw her was in Spider-Man as well. So it was kind of cool to see her here. Talk a little bit about Craven himself. He was an interesting character. In some respects, that fight at the end of it, you can kind of almost put more of that on Spider-Man, or at least half of it on Spider-Man, because Spider-Man didn't even have to show up to that fight. True. Uh, you know, so it's kind of interesting the dynamics between these two. There's obviously some sort of something, some friction between them that goes uh, unspoken that, you know, because Graven's kind of the hero in this book in a lot of ways. He is the one that, you know, Spider-Man like rescued one bird and he rescued everything else. <laughs> to hear about the other animals. You know? So, you know, except for the fact that he just obviously is looking for any excuse to fight Spider-Man and vice versa, there was no reason for these two to throw down. And I thought that really made for interesting reading and interesting storytelling. I agree with you on that. I thought Craven was a pretty good foe for Spider-Man, um, you know, strength-wise. He's packs a wallop. And what I think he really does best, and they really showed it here, not only in the animals, how he knows how to take down an animal in the right way or, or the right thing for them to do. And then using that against Spider-Man, like pinching the nerve or whatever he did and just kind of took him down. He was totally couldn't move at all. And you, have, you never really saw people take him out like that before. Um, you know, yeah, he's gotten really beaten down where he's just w- weary like that, but to just, you know, hit him in a certain spot like that and just, he's out for a little bit. I was like, Oh no, what's going to happen to him? You know, that's a, cool interesting way to take him out and then then to see how spider-man then comes out of it like oh i just got some tingling in my fingers again i can do a little web to just trip him up because he's got these slippery slippers on and now he's going to go down so i thought it was really good for a you know a a filler issue i guess we're kind of calling it you know this is what the third one we're we're getting so out of these seem to be getting a little bit better as we went through yeah, Craven was definitely an upgrade from the, the two little people that were. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was about. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And then with Calypso, I was like, the, the name sounded familiar. But then now that you say that about adjective-less Spider-Man, it does make more sense now. To me, I'm picturing flashbacks in there, though, of like, you know. Yeah, there was probably flashback scenes in there. You're probably right. Or something like that. Yeah, that's where I was thinking it. So anyway, let's go ahead and go into round two. Jared, you got a high, low, or what the? 
I may have to ask for uh, Pat. Uh, I need to read all my notes at the end of this, by the way. Okay, yeah, we can. so much to say about this issue. We got to fill in for Delvin. Uh, Good point. Hi is going to be Alan Weiss, or Alan Weiss, however he pronounces it. His interior pencils were excellent. Mm-hmm. And he went through like a, a whole slew of anchors. Now, <laughs> let's be honest, it was like a murderer's row of anchors. There's like Klaus Jansen from The Dark Knight Returns, Bob McCloud from like I don't know, everything. New Mutants. New Mutants. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Joe McLeod. Rubenstein from the Wolverine miniseries. Uh, Al Milgram from uh, An Unfortunate Run in with Jason. I mean, there's a <laughs> My lot. S list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was a lot of talent and- on that. But I really like his pencils. And you know what? I can actually roll that into some of my bonus content here, Pat. Uh, I just want to say that undercover Craven in a trench coat and a fedora cool. with, a, with a cheetah band on the with fedora. Che- oh, man. I'm here for that, man. That is great. I was, I was like, cool. That's like putting when Raphael goes in. Yes. And they go into their trench coats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I collect those big NECA figures and yep. they make a raft and they make an undercover raft. He's the only Ooh. one that's got undercover with the trench coat. And yeah. I've got more to say. I won't take everybody's, but I do want to end this with kind of a what the do you think that go look at page one and tell me, do you think that Craven is such a man of nature that that's literally grass in his living room? Because I think it might be. Yeah, you know. It could be, or well, it was be a green too carpet. late for for like that outside kind of turfy, the indoor outdoor carpet. Yeah, carpeting maybe. I could see him maybe laying that down a little bit, just because. Just this is the hard. Of, this is the hard hitting things you get on long boxers. Yeah, because how would you, you know, you you'd have to. How would you mow or cut that grass down? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Uh, you know, you have to take all that furniture and all that stuff that's there mm-hmm. out, and yeah. you have to water it. How does yeah. it get sunlight? I don't know. Yeah. No. Anyway. I'm going more of the turf, the indoor outdoor is what I would say. Uh, but in the in the end, and I agree with you, Pat. In the end, I just want to say that I think Weiss did a great job. He drew some really cool angles. He put a lot of cool details in. Take a look at the animals coming off the ship in the mm-hmm. harbor. Oh, my goodness. A lot of detail in the background. So, anyway, I'll stop running my mouth. The art was surprisingly good for, uh, you know, a wishy-washy, well, a strong three on the cover. His interiors. Sure. Yeah, it makes you seem like you really put the time into the interiors and then like, oh, man, we got to have somebody draw the cover. Let's get it. You know, can you do this? Not saying then the Spider-Man was, again, really cool looking. Yeah, I I know I'm still going, but look at the just myriad of animals that the dude had to draw. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's impressive. I'm going to stop for real estate. Well, I mean, just to tack on a little bit more, because I was going to talk about it, but I'll, I'll, I'll choose something else. But I will add for Alan Weiss that he had to draw a lot of different things too. I mean, we had a Spider-Man Craven battle. We had Craven at the dockyards fighting the, the animals. We had Spider-Man on the rooftops, chasing the bird and saving the woman. We had Peter Parker and we had Peter Parker inside the, the newsroom. So, I mean, just different environments and different, a whole different slew of characters. And he tackled them all and did a really good job. So just throwing on onto what Jared's already said. Even had Spider Woman. They're trying to move that book, aren't they? They're trying <laughs> everything to move that book. Yes. They even said on the next page that that was a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> Do we, anybody know who was writing at the time? Was it anybody that was in this, uh, you know, in any of the artists or uh, who was writing Spider Woman? Yeah. Oof. I don't, I don't remember. We covered that issue. Yeah. I can't it's been remember a while. Who was running it. I'm just wondering if, you know, because of the 
creative team that did this one? Did they kind of put that in there just to help? Oh, I think it was just Marvel. I think this was. I think that was Jim Shooter going, "Hey, hey, let all the Spider-Man fans out there know that there's a Spider-Woman book, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you jar from behind." <laughs> but Apple Delvin, Delvin. <laughs> I think the one we read. I was looking it up. Was Michael Fleischer was writing the script? Oh. <laughs> Jason with the lookups. Wow, look at him. Well, I want to talk about the kind of side stories going on here, uh, which I really did enjoy that at least they're putting something mm-hmm. to kind yep. of keep the overarching, overgoing, bigger stories going on here. So let's talk about the guy that the boss that took over. Now, is he the guy that was perhaps. You remember a few issues ago or, or, or a while ago that there was like some guy, Peter's boss on the globe was talking to and were like kind of mysteriously going like, well, who is this guy? I think it's this guy. You think? I, I don't know. I wish Dublin was here to tell us for sure. But man, what a sneaky kind of a sleazy kind of a guy that he wants what Peter to do. But makes me also wonder too. Remember when we were making fun of Peter because that one student was trying to Mac on him? Mm-hmm. Was that all part of that plan then too? So he does. He is interested in catching teachers with students. Yeah, that's a good point, Pat. I didn't like, even put that together, but yeah, it could have been a whole sting, sting operation. Yeah, like trying to get it all figured out. And that's I put that a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. Some girl tried to get out with him. He did the right thing, but I was just wondering is what this guy's trying to do. And you you never really got it kind of resolved in this because that's when Craven comes busting in. And and takes over. So Peter says he's not going to do it, but you never hear the guy not tell you know get a comeback from the guy who took over here to say I was I was expecting some kind of a you know word fight between the two, but and Peter says that doesn't go on there, and I'm like right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what made me thought. I'm like, wait a minute, Peter, come on, you just had that happen to you. That naive man, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I really like that part where they continue on that kind of overarching thing that's going on here. And you got to see Peter kind of hanging out with this new girl a little bit. Yeah. It seemed kind of weird though. Cause she's all concerned about her dad and he's like, not my problem. It didn't seem, that was the one part that really bothered me on this. Yeah. It was like, he could have at least said, yeah, well, I, I can see, I can say something. I'm not going to promise you anything and leave it yeah, at that, but I'll look into it. Yeah. No, you know, he's just, I don't, I don't care. Not my problem. So then she's all off and then gets all mad. Oh, I guess I shouldn't have said that to her, but. Spider-Man, Spider-Man <laughs> gets to it when he can. <laughs> Not today, maybe tomorrow. Debbie Whitman's full of sorrow. Who cares? It is the Spider-Man. <laughs> and the role of Jason has been played by Jared tonight. <laughs> that is true. All right, Jared, do you have anything else? I... Was wondering if that was Mary Jane on the rooftop photo shoot. I was, I was wondering that too. <laughs> I was too. I saw her. I'm like, sure oh, looked like her. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Model, redhead. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Not, not too shabby. Only thing I, I want to add is Spider Woman now monthly from Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Jump right on that. <laughs> <laughs> Having read that essential, it's pretty good, but uh, I do love the midway through again, Jim Shooter injecting himself. I just know it. Gotta get them sales up. <laughs> anything else, Jared? I think I'm good. I'll, uh, I'll uh, I've talked a lot. Jason, do you have anything else on this issue? 
No, I think we've covered just about everything. You know, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Just the one part that kind of threw me out of it was his reaction to his new girlfriend's request to uh, look into <laughs> some <laughs> mysterious happenings with her dad. That's something I would think that Spider-Man would do for anybody. So just seemed weird. Yeah, yeah it was kind of odd placed, but maybe it was to try to set up the whole, well, okay, I'm going to go do it. Now I'm late for this meeting and yada, 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 just kind of, but. I think he could could have did it in a better way. All right. Well, with our discussion out of the way, let's go ahead and get to Silly Spidey. Was there a Silly Spidey moment for you in this issue? And if so, what was it? We'll go to you, Jason. What's your Silly Spidey? I, yeah, I apologize. I don't have the page number or panel, but there's, there's a, a panel in there where Calypso is really trying to, to key up Craven. Mm-hmm. And said, oh, no. She's like, oh, no, don't go out there. The police, you'll get in a fight with the police. But she has this big grin on her face. Oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, she yeah. knows this is coming. <laughs> I just thought that was so <laughs> cool. It just showed how manipulative she is. Really good job by the writer and the artist for pulling that off. It made me chuckle. Yeah, you can see that. She's kind of shadowed in the background. But you can just see that grin on her. Oh, she's like, she's loving it. Yeah. Jarrett, what's your silly Spidey? I think it's content page eight. It's a montage of Craven the Hunter, like wrangling all the different animals. Okay. I chuckled a little at bottom left about how he sort of basically bench pressing this crocodile. <laughs> like that was kind of funny. And just what I thought, that's pretty funny drawing because that crocodile just looks so helpless and he just looks like he's done this a million times. Just as I thought that was going to be my, my silly Spidey. I glanced up from there. I remembered the action film face-off promo and all the promises we make about Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and I see Craven literally punching a bear in the face. Bear punch. <laughs> I can't help but laugh because I'm like, this episode, Jason fights a bear. <laughs> the first thing I thought of. I taught Craven everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very personal joke. But as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Reminded me of Jason. Oh, that's a good one, too. When you put it in that context. (laughs) (laughs) Jackson's not fighting a bear, by the way. Nope. Mine is, and it's going to be different because he didn't really have a lot of good, you know, I like the wordplay that he does. And there really wasn't anything in here. But what I found really funny is he tried to make a joke and then it didn't bomb. (laughs) And then he even admits, well, you can't all be winners. (laughs) I thought that was funny, too. I thought that was funny, too. I'm like, oh, well, you know. Yeah, I think Denny, like doesn't quite have a handle on the spidey sense of humor. And I think that's Denny making fun of himself going, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing with this. So here we go. And I got a kick out of it too. Yeah. I liked that one. It was pretty good. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. He's calling himself out on it. I liked it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Again, as a reminder, it's a one through five rating five as you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers Four. (laughs) Really liked it. Hmm. Three liked it. Two didn't like it. Uh-uh. And one you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers against the grain. Ooh. Jared, I'm going with three point five. Jason, we've been through this before. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it at a three. Again, really the only big wheel turn, like you pointed out, Pat. They're kind of keep the story moving with the globe thing, but it's moving. Pretty slow, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like Craven the Hunter, and it was kind of funny to watch 
Calypso pull those strings. So well, three good art Jay- too. Yeah, definitely. Jason, I gotta say I'm at a four. I know it's filler, but anytime you have a villain as complex and layered as Craven, it pulls me in. It's a good read. It led to a really good fight at the end. Mm-hmm. Just seeing Calypso and going, hey, that's Calypso. <laughs> I thought that was pretty that's cool. True. That's true. Uh, so there's just a lot I really liked about it. Uh, I am excited to see what the main storyline is going to be. But as far as filler goes, this one was really good. I am going to actually agree with you, Jason, this time around. I agreed with Jared on the cover. Now I'm going to agree with you. It is a four for me as well. I, I think I really liked it. It was out of the three fillers. I, I you know, mentioned it before. I think this was the stronger one so far. Out of the three fillers, you have a really great story, a one-and-done kind of a story in this with maybe some stuff down the road, both not only in in, with Peter going on, but also with Craven and Calypso and, you know, some Spider-Man stuff too. So I thought it was really good and really enjoyed it. At first, I was like, eh, you know, what's going to happen here? But I started turning and turning and turning on this one and wanted to get it and wanted to get to the end of it. So. You know, I, I wanted to put this at a 3.5 and you guys wouldn't let me, but I, you've you've both fully convinced me. So I'm going to completely double back. And oh, let's, oh, let's oh. boom, boom, lock a lock, lock a boom. boom. I'm going to give right. this a four. Boom. Yeah, because I was at a 3.5. And you're right, with the art, the compelling villain of Craven, and that first appearance of Calypso, yeah, I should have gave it a four. So let's open the door again on the floor. Ooh. And even this issue had a dinosaur. So how could you not give it a four? <laughs> I first saw it. I was like, Stegron, no, oh. I thought he was dead, but uh, apparently it wasn't. Him. <laughs> I got to say, I was a little bit concerned after that last Denny O'Neill story. <laughs> I was, I was like, Eesh. I, uh, but he really seemed to pick it up here. A well, little bit we got to remember too. That was like a, a think tank at a convention that they came up with. True. A story. I think you're true. right. That yeah. True, yeah. Man. It's yeah. like Denny, Denny, sober up. <laughs> real quick. Well, I think, I, and I think you can really tell in this one, just that the, when I say compact storytelling that is done in here, you can definitely tell that Denny, you know, was had you going along through this story and, you know, through all the, the beats on this, on, on this one. So very well done. And the art. Oh man. I, I do like the interior art on this is really good. I agree. All right. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail that we might play on, on the show. You can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. We're going to be right back. Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. You may know me from the Green Lantern podcast, The Lantern Cast. You also may know me from making promises across the comics podcasting community concerning a new project I've been working on. An Action Comics Weekly podcast, to be precise. Well, it's time to deliver on that promise. 
The Action Comics Weekly Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast featuring myself and a rotating cast of semi-regular co-hosts discussing the characters appearing in the comic series of the same name from the late 1980s. So, starting this summer, join me and Mark Marble as we discuss Green Lantern. For all the people that want to give Hal when he was Parallax a lot of shit about the way he acted, <laughs> Star Sapphire has nothing on Hal for being like pushed over the borderline because she's just completely friggin' nuts. Jay Jones as we discuss Wild Dog. He straight up, like you said, he, he murders these people. And that's, that's not my DC Comics. That's not superheroic at all. Batman wouldn't have killed anybody. But the story, this story is, it's, it's not bad. It's not great. It's, it's like the character himself. It's like, he's just, it's just there. It just exists. Ben Avery, as we discuss The Secret Six. So when I read this alone, as I was reading through this, this issue, I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> I, I told Chad I'd do this, but I don't know if I'm going to like this. <laughs> I, I do end up liking Secret Six more. This is the introduction, and without this, you know, I probably wouldn't like, you know, the, the second chapter as much. Doug Zavisha, as we discuss Dead Man. <laughs> well, it's it's a kind of a waffly Dead Man story. It wants to be a Dead Man story. It starts to be a Dead Man story. It forgets it's a Dead Man story, and then it comes back to being one, um, all in the span of eight pages. Alan Middleton, as we discuss Blackhawk that there's sort of this era of Blackhawk where he was sort of dissolute and sort of couldn't get civilian life together. Mm -hmm. And I think this story is either beginning that trend or at least tapping into that, tapping into that fertile story. And Michael Bailey, as we discuss Superman. There is really no way to tie this two-page strip into that. So it really exists in its own world at a time where the Superman books were becoming more and more linked. So it's this oddity on a number of levels. And many other characters featuring many more guest hosts along the way. The Action Comics Weekly Podcast. Coming soon, summer 2016. Find us on Facebook for more details. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show. If you want to get in on the voting and all the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join for as little as $1 a month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected Uncanny X-Men number 138. They're keeping us on the X-Men train, which I don't blame them for right now. <laughs> I missed Jared's look, but I know he gave it a look of some sort. <laughs> Thumbs down. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to some cover credits, and that is provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. Got a cover date of October 1980. 
Its on-sale date was July 15th of 1980. Cover price, 50 cents. Editor is Luis Simonson. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire. Esquire. Plotter and pencils go to John L. Byrne. Anchor is Terry Austin. Letter is Tom Orzakowski. And we are graced oh, with yeah. color me, we are graced with the colorist, the color me bad colorist, Glennis Sween. Color me this is reprinted in Classic X-Men number 44. Why? 19. Oh, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it could be. Also in Essential X-Men Volume 2. Jared, did you know that it's also in X-Men Road Tripping? The tripping is right. <laughs> <laughs> but it can also be found in X-Men Days of Future Past trade paperback. Did you know that they made a Marvel Masterworks Volume 40, Uncanny X-Men Volume 5 that this was in? Apparently, they throw the term masterworks around. (laughs) (laughs) And if a masterworks wasn't enough, there's also part of the Uncanny X-Men Omnibus, Volume 2. Oh, it's a number two, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And X-Men Epic Collection. It's so epic. The Fate of the Phoenix. Cover credits for this go to penciler John L. Byrne and inker Terry Austin. And let's not delay, but let's go ahead and get to the cover description from Jared. Well, Pat, you'll be happy to know that this is one awesome cover. Even if the Marvel Comics Group banner was mooshed over by the Toys R Us shopping spree ad, I mean, who wouldn't be excited at the possibility of a Toys R Us shopping spree? I dreamt about that all the time. Jason and I had conversations about what we would do if we were let loose in there with the shopping spree. We had strategies. We had plans all drawn up and everything. Oh, absolutely. I was like, I'm going right to the Joes. And Jason was like, no, you go to the video game section because that's the high value stuff that you can sell ah, to buy more Joes. Failure to economics. repair is preparing to fail, Jared. <laughs> I learned economics from Jason. Anyway. <laughs> Shopping spree, Toys R Us? That's bad. All right. The corner box is back, and it's a lovely shade of green. It contains the wonderful heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Cyclops, Storm, and Nightcrawler. The main action is an awesome backdrop of X-Men covers of the past, done in an eye-catching magenta. The X-Men stand solemnly in the background, shaded in a well-selected blue, as they watch a perfectly drawn Cyclops walk off into the foreground. You can practically hear the Lonely Man piano music from the old Hulk TV show. A nicely placed cover blurb underscores the emotion by simply saying, Exit Cyclops. I am glad that I put a whole lot of positivity and optimism into this cover description because I think it's going to end here. (laughs) Well, Jared, I'm glad for that positively positive cover description you just provided. But now it's time to have some quick cover thoughts on it. So, Jason, what do you think about this cover? I really like this cover. This is one of those iconic ones that pop into my head when you just Mm -hmm. say, hey, think of some great X-Men covers. Cyclops in the foreground looking just downtrodden, but still ready for action in that kick-butt battle suit. The one thing that I really like about this, the one thing that sets it apart in my mind, is he's not walking out with a set of luggage He's doing the duffel bag drag soldier style Mm. walking out of that team. And that's what really strikes me in the heart. You're seeing the leader of this band of soldiers 
taking off, perhaps for the last time. It's not. But the colors are great. The magenta with the, the, the covers in the background. Jared, you made a comment. Of, I think you made a comment saying, like, this cover doesn't really uh, fit the book. But I think it it does. I no, mean, no, I didn't say that. It's a great okay. cover. Okay. Well, I yeah, because I was like, this, this cover... Pretty much, you could just have this cover in the book, and it tells. Yes, I wish I could have stopped here. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, all these things happened in these issues. If you want to check them out, and Cyclops is leaving, which is kind of my synopsis, but (laughs) 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 not tip tip my hand there. But on with the cover, I love it. I'll just pass it back to you, Pat. From there, I definitely agree with you on this as well, Jason. To me, what makes it really stand out is those issues in the background when you sit there and actually start to look deeper at that how cool it is to have the you know the issues like that because if you just kind of let your eyes just not kind of get out of focus on that and then you start looking at the detailed cyclops as you mentioned and the other x-men in the background i think this really helps get you in a sort of sort of a mood with that magenta kind of feel to it I like it. And I wonder why it says all new. Well, I guess from the story, I guess it does become all new at the end. Maybe they dropped the uncanny from it and put all new on it too. I know some, I did forget to mention that the block letters are uh, basically like an eggshell with a black highlight. The X-Men, it doesn't have uncanny. I wonder if they didn't get the uncanny in because I think we all know why. Don't get Jason started. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be me. Jared, what's your thoughts on the cover? You hit the nail on the head, really, Pat. This is a cover that just keeps on giving. You see that really awesome drawing of Cyclops. He looks great in that costume. It's a master class in coloring. Look at the shading that's done. Look at the white highlights on the elbow and on his side and the side of his leg, which moves into the blues, which moves, if you look at his, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, swim trunks, they have a really good darker shade as you push to the right like it's a master class in coloring and jason's right they capture the emotion of someone leaving the platoon really is what it feels like his head is down his body language is perfect and then like you said pat it just keeps giving your eyes drawn to that and then you go oh look at all the x-men in the back and they're so solemn they're all drawn solemn like they wish this wasn't happening and to underscore that they're all feeling blue so what color they make them blue blue And again, it's really nicely shaded, but it's all monochromatic, which makes Scott pop even more. And then the cover that keeps on giving gives again. You start to notice that it's not just a magenta background, that these are uh, really well blended old covers that tell you, hey, you're going to take a trip down memory lane as Scott leaves. And I mean, that is the issue. And as a summary of the issue, it's great. And oh, by the way, uh, with our old friend, the color wheel. A great color to pop with magenta is that green. And at least they had the good sense to make the Toys R Us add that green too. Ah. So even the Toys R Us green gives you a really cool combination border for it. So, I mean, I wish it was gone. I wish we got a bigger or an uncanny above it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if it had to be there, they picked the right color. Awesome cover. You know, I'm a sucker for Cyclops. Look for high score. Very cool. Well, speaking about scoring let's go ahead and get to the cover rating for this one as a reminder it's a one through five rating system five as you loved it it gave you a ring to swing from Woo-hoo! four you really liked it mm-hmm. three liked it mm. two didn't like it Mm-mm. 
and one you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Meow. <laughs> that was my baby cat. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what would you rate this cover? I'm at a four. Would be a five if it wasn't for the oh, Toys R Us. Hmm. Just can't get you to that five level, huh? Now where you got that big old ad where that Marvel Comics banner should be. Jarrett. I'm going to forgive the ad and let the love for Cyclops come through. And when I talked about how it just keeps giving it every layer, I'm mm-hmm. giving it a five. I would put that as a poster on my wall. I would also be with you on the five train here on this one. It is definitely a big poster worthy as well, too. I think what really, again, does it for me is the comics in the background. And reading the story, you can start to look and go, oh, yeah, that story's from there, and this is from there, and that's, you know. I don't really have to read the story. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of promise what's going to be in this, I guess. But speaking about what's actually in this, let's go ahead and get a short story synopsis from Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus. Children of the Atom, students of Charles Xavier. Mutants, feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. Well, Pat, I think I'm going to do Jared proud on this one. He's always saying, try to keep it to two minutes or less. <laughs> I think I nailed it on this one because uh, there's not much to this one, folks. Uh, at the beginning, the X-Men and Jean's family and friends gather for a funeral. By the end, Cyclops quits the team. And as he rolls out, Kitty Pride moves in. Uh, the middle is lots and lots of filler as Cyclops reminisces on the exploits of the X-Men. That pretty well sums it up. Couldn't think of anything. I could go a really long route and talk about all the exploits, all the but Jared there, but yeah. would just give me the evil eye. So there it is. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this one. Let's find out. Is it a first read or a reread of a reread, so to say? Jared? It's a first read, but it felt like a multiple, a multiple <laughs> reread. <laughs> Jason. This one was a reread for me. Oof, I cannot imagine reading this again. <laughs> I was kind of kicking myself, to be honest. I was All the- you need is to cover. I will get into it. <laughs> I was on the pooper, you know. I was like, I know all this. <laughs> this is why he can't answer our texts. He spent an hour and 45 minutes reading this thing. <laughs> well, it's a first read for me, so ooh, we don't get the rainbow at all on this one. Oh. Hmm. I'm sad, but let's go ahead and get into the highs, lows, or what does on this one. And we'll start with Jared. You seem to have some things to say about this. So let's, what do you, what's, what's first on your list? All right. I'm going to roll out with a high just to baffle the crap out of you. On oh. <laughs> That's okay. And it's the cover. Back to you, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will say this. Okay elephant in the room this is a clips show this is a a 
let's put the history of the X-Men in here. And I'm giving it a high because this is a great issue. I think what they realize is, hey, that Phoenix thing saga really kind of took off. You know, it was a mm-hmm. popular storyline. Uh, he got burned on his A-game. People are flocking to the X-Men. X-Men is about to become Marvel's best-selling book, and it ain't going to relinquish that title for, like, decades. Um, yeah. And I think they knew that. I think they're like, we, we've got something big going here. Sales are going up. Let's take this opportunity to welcome these new readers and give you the history of the X-Men. And so from that angle, like, I don't know a lot about history of X-Men. So I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. But it's like reading the history of the X-Men. Of the X-Men. It's like reading homework. Like, it's not. Remember when we had one of these similar and amazing Spider-Man, yeah. maybe 15 or 20 episodes ago? Yeah. I, uh, that one was a breeze for me to read. It told you everything you need about Spider-Man. It had cool montage pages. And I'm not, and, uh, the art in this is great. It's John Byrne. But like, it was an easy, breezy history. This was not easy or breezy. So I just turned it into a low. But my high, <laughs> my high is, it is a really good... It's a good jumping on point. Jumping on point after this really popular storyline. And I'm, I, I'm just going to keep on talking. I'm just sad that it... it it used such a poignant moment of transition for the X-Men with Cyclops leaving Mm -hmm. to do that. I would have rather just been a, here's a history of the X-Men filler episode. Don't even include Cyclops leaving because I feel like it cheapened the moment. Yeah. You know what really would have been really cool to do with it would have been, you could tell this jumping on point, you could tell the history of the X-Men, but through the different views of the characters letting the other ones kind of fill in a little bit of the story too, as they're remembering it and their time with Gene as well, too, I think would have been kind of cool. <laughs> the whole time I was reading the history of X-Men, I was like, I was like, just get me to the point where we started reading this book for Chronicles. Cause I'm just going to stop reading it. <laughs> Cause I remember <laughs> it. Like that's, uh, yeah. I mean, again, I love Claremont. I, I know it I, doesn't seem like I do. Cause every episode we do this, I have, I'm the one with the Piccadillos. I get what he's doing. This is a good, history of the x-men book but man it just it just came kind of dry i need to shut up and let jason give me another perspective jason hi lower what the well please allow me to retort <laughs> <laughs> no i get what jared's saying this is um going back to the question why does it say all new because this is the end of that story arc we're starting to change over characters cyclops is out kitty pride is in We're trying to bring on new characters to the book. We're trying to bring on new readers. So we've got to have this issue where we have the filler that brings new readers up to speed. I like your guys' ideas on how it could have been done better. I think it was important, though, to keep keep it centered on Cyclops, because Cyclops is kind of that anchor point between all three of these chapters. It does make sense. He was there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was there with the all new team. And that all new team is really what started that trajectory going up. So, what they're trying to do here is say, hey, remember that all new team? Well, now we've got another all new team. We got new team members. We've got new stories coming. Here's what happened. Jump on, get ready to enjoy. For the rest of us that have been there the whole way, it was remedial homework at that. So, I, I get that. I will say in defense before I shut up 
and let you talk, Pat, that the thing that I really like about the X-Men is it's a book about change. They're always changing. They're always evolving. Cyclops is going to come back, but his character always evolves. You know, I love Batman. You know, Batman doesn't really change that much. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man, eh, he changes a little bit. But, you know, even Superman. Superman doesn't really change much from what Superman is. These characters change. They evolve. They grow. Kitty Pride becomes a leader in time. We're seeing her jump on here as a child, as a new X-Man. And we're going to get to see her adventures. So that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this book. That's my defense of it. I understand your points, but I think it is necessary to have this book to finish out that story arc and tell folks, hey, there's new team, new stories coming. And here's what happened to this point. Very good points that you offer there. And I don't disagree with any of them. He's yeah. right. Yep. What else could I say? You know, this one's, you know, we've all either read it or we've seen it, but the artwork in this, man. Oh, man. John Byrne this, never disappoints. Yeah. Tour de force, I think, in this one, just with all that he had to go through. And you can tell even in the style of the older issues, the older stories that they're going through, you can see. And just, you know, trying to cram all these little nuggets of X-Men history here was very cool. And just, I think that's what kept me turning the page after reading all the words, turning the page. Just, just looking at that beautiful artwork depicting that moment in I want to say time or that moment in X-Men history was just beautiful to look at. Let's go ahead and go around again and see Jared. Do you have a high, low or what the, you know, I kind of dumped everything there in round Mm -hmm. one. I know I went a little overboard with (laughs) all my explanations and explanations for my explanations. But as I think about it, I was listening to you and Jason's perspective. Like I said, I don't disagree with you guys at all. I mean, I get what's happening. I get why it's happening. Um, It just, I keep coming back to it felt like a almost a waste of a moment with that poignant cover. And is it because I'm a homer for Cyclops? Maybe, maybe I'm just like, it felt like it should have been his time. And although it was told from his perspective, it wasn't really his time. It was the history of the X-Men. And I guess I probably double bummered because my favorite character is about to exit the book. Like the, the one thing that I would look forward to those moments of, of that peer leadership that I love so much is going to be gone. And yeah. uh, so I guess I'm a little bit sad about that. So I don't know, man, like, uh, like you said, it's, it's beautifully drawn, but I just keep going back to kind of a wasted moment. And, and really we joked about it, but I stand by it. Like, I think you, all you really need is the cover. Like the cover tells you everything you need to know. It does. Um, but I already said this, but it is a good history of the X-Men for people that want to get caught up. And uh, I, I guess I don't really have anything else. I'm just repeating myself. I think I've said everything I got to say. Um, <laughs> You're starting to like this book. I, I, I really this. am. So um, I will end it with this final thought. That cover was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> Jason, do you have anything to add? I'll just say that I hope Cyclops wasn't supposed to say anything at that funeral because he missed it. <laughs> he was so lost in thought no in all seriousness i i think i've said everything that that i want to say i i will say that cyclops journey doesn't with x-men doesn't end here he's still going to be around in the x-men books you're going to get to see more storm as she takes on more of a leadership role uh so i think that that was my question 
Yeah, that's that's exciting to see Storm develop a little bit more. Getting to see the young Kitty Pride is a lot of fun. So there's a little, still a lot of fun to be be had here. I think I'll just sum it up and say this issue wasn't like it's not one of my favorites, obviously, because I've read almost all of it. Some of the really old stuff, I was like, hmm, I didn't know that. So that was kind of yeah, kinda I thought cool. that was interesting. I was like, man. Charles Xavier's kind of a jerk, man. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing too. I was like, I keep going through this, and I was first jerk, jerk point, and then another. Then he was dead. Then he right. came back and didn't but tell the, anybody. It's like, I, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really dead. I just wanted to see how you'd do if I wasn't around. Yeah, I was like, man, that yeah, a, what a dick move, man. <laughs> exactly. I've been able to walk this whole time, <laughs> and I got hair. It's a skull cap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I guess that that's it. I, it just kind of leaves me. Okay, I I read it. I'm not sad that I read it. It was good. Learned some stuff, and I'm ready to move on to the next story arc. You know, if you compare this to filler, is it a filler in a way, or is it a catch up filler or catch up, or is catch up filler? That is the main question here. Yeah, I guess. Boy, now we're. Now we're getting into philosophy. I guess it's your point of view, right? Okay. If I've read it before, it's filler. Filler. <laughs> if I'm just jumping on, maybe it's essential. True. True. Jared, well, you got any thoughts on that? I just can't help but keep comparing it to when this exact same thing happened in Amazing Spider-Man, and it didn't bore the piss out of me mm. when I read it in Spider-Man. <laughs> which is a shame because John Byrne drew all this, but like the, it just, I mean, Claire, Claremont's a legend. I'll never yeah. be close to what he is, but he, gosh, dang, if he could just streamline one story arc for me a little bit, just a little bit, you know, it almost reminded me of, you know, that book X-Men grand design. And I can't remember the writer and artist that, that did it, but basically it's just a couple issues. It's the whole X-Men history that he okay. did kind of in the style. And it wasn't it wasn't boring. And I think it, it may just be because Claremont tried to put too many words per panel. Maybe so that's it. Yeah. I, I think that maybe we could have tightened up the dialogue a little bit and let the images yeah. speak more. That's yeah. what they did in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I think that I think you hit it on the head right there is tighten up, let the art in the panel breathe and provide more of that other storytelling that's going on instead of where Jared said, you know, all these words. And so now your panel of, of art is mm-hmm. kind of it felt cramped and it yeah. slow. And I'm not joking when I say that I was just like, I'm just waiting. I, I, I'm learning X-Men history granted. So plus, yeah. but I was like, I'm just waiting until we get to like that. I think they're on Krakoa. When we started mm-hmm. reading this, I'm like, once we hit that, I, I'm just going to look at the pretty pictures and just read the, read the, the blurbs picture. from the funeral. Ah, that's okay. exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> what I liked about it, final thing is what Jason said, is the catching up of the old stuff. And like, oh, yeah, I didn't know that part of it as well, too, was some of the older stuff that happened before we got to the all new X-Men where we started chronicling. And so I really enjoyed that kind of catch up. And I do believe you are right, Jason, that Cyclops is a pivotal point, you know, that go between between those teams. So it that makes more sense. 
I had to laugh too, Pat, because I had this nagging question in the back of my head as we were going through the history. Because I was like, okay, we had the beast, and the beast was agile and strong, and he was smart. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, finally, I'm going to learn how this dude turned into a blue beast. And it was like, and then one day he came back and he was blue, and he wouldn't tell anybody why. <laughs> I was like, son of a, that's the one thing I was waiting to find out. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's just in that one panel. Face <laughs> that was and like me. the one factoid. I was like, finally, I'm going to figure out how this happened because I don't know. <laughs> uh, good points. Good points. Anybody have anything else on this one? I, I didn't think we'd talk a lot about it, but that cover is awesome. Divine. Oh, very good. I, I don't think you've mentioned that before. Try to keep it peppy pet. <laughs> well, and so we have our next question as far as the bricker brack on this one. Who went the extra mile in this issue? It's hard to say. John Byrne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that, I would have to give that that. I would agree with that. Jason, do you have somebody who went the extra mile? The first person that pops into my head is Jean Grey's parents. They showed incredible grace and poise at that funeral. And I, as Jean Grey's father, would have had a lot of questions. And I would not have been okay with little Landry being yeah. there. And they accepted that present from her with grace uh -huh. and with dignity. And to me, they went the extra mile at that funeral. And I may not have been so diplomatic. I was wondering that too. I'm like, oh, Lilandra's there. And now she's talking to, hey, I just had all my friends go after. I, you know, I just put your daughter in this plan. Yeah. Basically, my plan was to murder your daughter. Yeah. No hard feelings. Here's a cake. Here's a little treat for you. Mm, give her a hologram. You know, <laughs> it's like your daughter. But not. <laughs> Cyclops, can I, can I borrow that? <laughs> 3D, no. you say, huh? You're cut off. You're cut off. You're both cut off. <laughs> Jarrett, do you have, or are you going with Byrne? I'm going with John Byrne. Byrne. He, got me, he got me through this thing. <laughs> and uh, I like Jason's answer, though, because I did notice that. I thought, yeah, that's uh, they're high, high road takers right there. That's uh, an amazing level of, of emotional intelligence and control. So, yeah, that's I like Jason's answers. If I had to pick someone from the book, I'd copy Jason because that's a good answer. Yeah, that's true. I like that. And I like the burn aspect of it too. I kind of want to say Cyclops. Did he go the extra mile? Yeah. He told us all the big story on this, but, and I feel sorry for the guy, man, he's gone through a lot just to get to this point. So, you know, it yeah. was funny. I'm sorry, Pat, but like, it was funny to see. We've mentioned this on other shows too, but like how bad of a leader Charles Xavier was. Yeah. And when you look at it through that lens, it's like, Scott's been, Holding this together, he, Scott's he, been he like holding that. Down. You know, I'm yeah, sure Jason yeah. could relate to this, but like Scott's been like that senior NCO that holds it together when a when an organization has like a bad officer in charge. Scott's the guy that's been holding it all together. I think that's really impressive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going with him with Scott and his leadership, and then to just go, you know what? I'm out. To know when too, he's you know not in the right set of mind anymore. To go, you know, I got oh, just got I got to get away. Another good. I can't go on enough about his leadership abilities, but like a good, like a good leader can self-assess and he knows I am not in the headspace at this point. Cause I just don't care what happens right now. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well with that, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. <laughs> we will see where it lies with some of us and it is a one through five rating five as you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from four. You really liked it. Three liked it. Two didn't like it, and one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. 
Jared's kind of sounded like a baby this whole yeah, episode. Yeah, I know. So. I'm like, oh, <laughs> is it is it baby worthy or not? Let's find out. But before we start and get Jared's, I'm going to give you mine. I liked it. I'm going to give it a four. <laughs> you are off the show. <laughs> you are off the show. Done here. I'm sorry. You founded the network, but it's like uh, it's like the board of trustees wait, just wait. voted you out. <laughs> <laughs> You can't let the man talk. Hold I'm on. Just, Hold I'm on. just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's you can't host me. <laughs> I am eternal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Pat. No, you. I'm just joking. Listeners, I'm just joking. Kind of. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I, you know, giving it with the conversations we had, I can see Jared's point and I can see Jason's point. And I think for me, and I remember texting this to you, Jared, when you said, eh, you know, the X-Men was kind of a retelling of stuff. And I'm like, well, like a good on jumping on point. And that's what I felt like. It was a good jumping on point for somebody. This is what it would be. I could give him this and say, okay, here, you're all cut up in this one time for what we had to read. You can catch it up all right here and, and get what you need. And then the artwork in this just hands down, really awesome. Just carrying on and, and doing the story with the small area that he had to work with. So we'll go to Jason. If you flash the three fingers, yes, I am at a three. I think that this is a necessary book. It's well told. We've talked about the entire package, the cover, even the colors of the cover, like a sunset. It's, you know, the sun is setting on this chapter. It's going to rise on another chapter. As we talked about, If I think probably more show, less tell. But I do have to give it up for Chris Claremont because for years now, he's been writing this team of characters and he has been faithful in his plot development and developing every character along the way. Nobody feels like they're just extraneous on this team and tip of the cap for him for keeping this team fresh and evolving uh, so long. Three for me. Man, Jarrett. All right, we've established that if I quit reading the book altogether, it's a one. Yes. Since I wrote it all the way out to the part where I at least knew where the history was and then stopped reading that, but kept reading the funeral the Usually, yeah, yeah. I will give it a two. Okay. And I, basically to say, okay, I read it. I recognize it for what it is that catch-up history. You've talked about, Pat, good jumping on point. So I guess I've just helped redefine my scoring system because I think it too means mm. I've read it and I would not be interested in ever reading it again. <laughs> so it's okay. slightly better than a one, but man, I don't know if I talk about this, that cover is awesome. You may have mentioned it, but this, I'm not sure. I think I made a joke in our text thread about this might be the biggest like distance between a cover score and a story <laughs> score I've ever had. <laughs> But you know what what I like is what you just did there is you are defining your scoring mm-hmm. and and how I think that helps affect all of us too, where you know I start going, well, if Jared would probably rate it at this and you know, or with Jason when he does the humor heart spectacle and art, I think you know, I like that because we all kind of have our different ways of of scoring and understanding where you lie. And I would wonder too, would you give like, what would be a, just a half a point? If you couldn't go one and you really had a half a point, 
Wow. So like, I remember I gave one on one because I just stopped reading. Like I was like, I'm just done with this. Yeah. Just can't. Yeah. It was the one with the crystal. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it well too. Like it was just like, I, I just quit. I just, I'm done. and they brought that up and they saw were like, uh, okay. I gave that, that Pat. I would, if, if I quit one in disgust, uh, if it was more like, uh, I just, just didn't like the, I didn't even like the message that the author was sure, putting out sure. there. Yeah. Then it would get like a half a point. Like yeah. I right. just don't even like. Like I gave up on the Omicron crystal one because I was just like I just I just don't yeah. care. But if I was like just incensed, like I just didn't even like what the story was doing. Okay. Yeah. Ah, very good. We're we're learning a little bit more as we peel away at what makes Jarrett. And you know what? If we've got listeners out there that really like this one because they like those history re- lookbacks, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I guess if I was fair, I would have given the two to that Spider-Man one. I don't remember what I gave it. I suspect I might have given it a three. I'm not sure. Because when I go back and reread that one, but then I think I might because it's breezy. That's the difference to me. Like, this is just dense. Yeah. I like Jared don't artistic, like to read words. <laughs> I like the artistic style of that layout and that Spider-Man one, too. Yeah. I think, if I remember right. I mean, I think we were all like, meh, okay, it's a rehash, but it was pretty cool the way they laid it out. The way they laid it out, yeah. Well, I think with that, that brings us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Let us know. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voice message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. We'll be right back. Rub it down. that one guy what guy mr pretzel mr lipstick mr mitzelfuzzle mr mitzi's pitlick yeah him he's also part of the dc who's who who's who the definitive podcast of the dc universe available monthly at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on itunes and stitcher welcome back from the break now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your Comments, emails, questions, shares, and retweets in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content. I think they're just trying to torture me at this point. <laughs> and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to our show. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Elburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blasted or Stash It. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Battlewagon himself. Ezra Gallo. 
Gary V. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. MVP. Mark Ross. Clark Trent. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Pimp Daddy Devins. Paul. Well, for a minute, I thought your internet froze. (laughs) Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Tim Maurice Feldman Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cup. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent edition, we'll add you soon. But that's not going to be a problem, because if there is a problem, you can always email contact at longboxcrusade.com, and we'll get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to our patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. As I've mentioned on some other shows, we use that money to help pay our StreamYard fees. Most of it we put back into like raffle prizes and the shipping there in for our club members. So it's all really going back to you guys and some uh, hardware updates to make the show sound better, stuff like that. So that's what we're spending it on, uh, except for uh, Pat. He's been ordering uh, cases of that like gray no more for his beard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's not working out, though. No, I got to order some more. Right. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, folks, that's what we spend it on. Well, not the beard. But anyway, we do appreciate it. And if you don't have any of that extra scratch laying around, but you still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, how about you rate or review the show uh, on whatever podcast app you're listening to it on? If it's got a rating system, we'd love a nice rating from you. Or how about you just uh, make a comment about the show? We love comments. So come find us on the social medias, leave comments. It's all at Longbox Crusade. We'll get into that a little later on, but those are some great ways to help us out. Here's some folks that have helped us out recently. Uh, We're going to be taking a look back at Crusader Chronicles episode 63, where we covered the Amazing Spider-Man number 207, which I think featured Mesmero and X-Men 136, which I think featured probably something that annoyed me. So here are the folks that uh, went ahead and retweeted or shared to help spread the message of the show. Coffee and comics. Tim Price. And Between the Pages blog. Really appreciate those retweets. We used to do a lot of the likes, but our likes list is starting to get really, really long and take up a lot of time. So shout out to everyone who liked it. Uh, from now on, if you need to get mentioned on the show, we're going to need you to hit that retweet or or that uh, share because uh, we're getting stingy with it, folks. We're getting stingy with it. Or another it just thing. helps spread the, the message and to other people in your social media circles that you're in and get the word out for us. So we yeah. would really appreciate it, you to like, share, and retweet. Just that share and retweet would help us out a lot. Definitely. And again, shout out to everybody who dropped us a like. It's a really lengthy list. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, we love you. We're glad you're out there. But yeah, we're going to be reading the shares and the retweets, those folks that are helping spread the message. And of course, the comments are great. That's what I want. I want to hear some comments. Well, we've got comments. That's a great way to get on the show. You don't have to just call 707-532-5269. Hey, guys, this is Auburn Elvis. Uh, Just listened to the Spider-Man Chronicles uh, 208 with Fusion. 
And I gotta tell you, I did not have this comic when I was a kid. This is, uh, was in a gap of my collection. And so I read it recently preparing for this show. And I gotta tell you, normally I disagree heavily whenever you give it anything less than a five. But this time I'm not gonna defend this, this issue. It's really not great. And so, yeah, this would have gotten a two from me. And that says a lot. Boy, fusion, just not execution that's all take it easy you can also type comments in with your keyboard and let's take a look at some of those and i'll toss it back to jason well i'm just gonna grab this first one right here out of the bag this is from tim price pod crasher and he says you ever notice how many spidey villains are green green goblin the lizard the scorpion the vulture now mesmero I'm still waiting for them to team up and form Gangrene. <laughs> like <I did> there. <laughs> oh, nice. Tim. Nice, Tim. Thanks for sending that in, Tim. That's, uh, that's pretty clever. I like that. It was. That's was good. And that, yeah, there are a lot of green Spidey villains. It's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> that's right. I'll take the next comment from Percy Klebo. And Percy says, my first X-Men comic. I usually read them at school over the shoulder of a classmate. I decided to buy this one. Ooh, that's going to be hard to read a comic over the shoulder. <laughs> I just want to welcome Percy Clevo. I don't think that's yeah. a name we've shouted out first before. time. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the comment. I got to know how the physics of that work. Because you would have to read like at the same pace as the person reading the comic, right? <laughs> I guess so. so, yeah. And our friend of the show, Jason Lady, boy, he wrote a lengthy comment. But you know what? You write comments, you get them read. Jason Lady wrote, I had that issue of Amazing Spider-Man during my phase where I was reading back issue bins for anything Spidey. I remember the cover, but tellingly had absolutely no memory of what the story was about. Your collective take on it seems spot on. Spidey seemed to get stuck with a lot of mediocre fill-in issues. Talk about that. But I guess that's what happens when you're in four titles simultaneously. Good point. We had talk about. If you guys like the synergy of Corbeau and Jimmy Carter reacting to Dark Phoenix, you should see the previous issue when Dark Phoenix leaves Earth and sends out a power spike so huge that Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, the FF, Spider-Man, all sense it are like, what was that? Hey, we did we did read that. <laughs> I think we did, yep. You gotta that's your homework, Jason Lady. Go back and listen to that. I miss that stuff in comics. Even if you didn't follow those characters, it was cool to see them reacting to things. To show what a big deal they were. Jason's making some excellent points here. Yeah. Uh, Jason Lady. <laughs> I too make excellent points. <laughs> uh, Jason Lady goes on to say, I think Angel was transporting or watching over Professor X as he was during the Hellfire Club segment of the saga. To your point, it's dubious what he could have done against Dark Phoenix besides swoop at her and try to hit her. He got a lot more useful when he became Archangel, and I've never understood them returning him to his feathered wings. I agree with Jason again. Say whatever you want about Hawkman, but at least he brought a giant mace to the fight. <laughs> mace to the face! <laughs> Fun fact, the only reason that Warren is around for this story and sticks around for a little while afterwards is that John Byrne liked the 05 X-Men. I guess it's the original 5 X-Men. And wanted to bring them back. As soon as Byrne was off the book, Claremont wrote Warren out. I think Claremont had some affection for the Beast and obviously made use of Scott and Gene, but interestingly, had no use for Iceman beyond a non-speaking cameo at Gene's funeral and the arcade Dr. Doom two-parter. Claremont has been vocal that he believed the X-Men should be allowed to graduate, move on, retire, etc. Jason, you talked about character development in this issue. 
And we saw what happened with the Beast, Iceman, and Angel moving out into the wider Marvel Universe and joining the Avengers, Champions, or Defenders. Wouldn't last long, but it was a good concept while it lasted. Most important part of his message is coming up. I have never heard of 96 Tears either, but you best believe I'm firing up the Pandora machine to give it a listen. You're gonna cry, 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 cry now. 96 Tears. Well... Jason, if that's all you really get out of it is a good song to listen to, then we did our job. We did our jobs. Yep. Mission accomplished. Well, that is it. I want to thank everybody out there for those likes that we didn't necessarily get to, but the shares, the follows, the comments, those are all wonderful. We appreciate your friendship and helping spread word about our podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade i want to thank jared and jason for joining me this episode but before we go let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet jason you can find me at weasel skull on twitter or at jason albrick on facebook and instagram jared I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my book page sketches at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And of course, Delvin is at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977 on Twitter. Approach at your own risk. And I can be found at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, Join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream on YouTube. That's every second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Go on and check out Longbox Crusade on YouTube. And please make sure you subscribe, like, smash that bell, smash that subscribe button, and join in on the fun. We are creeping up on 200 people. Oh, I was just about to break in to tell you that. I didn't know if you knew, Pat. Yeah, we're almost at 200 subscribers. So I think we can get there. Help us out. Help us spread the word and just join us and make this community of Longbox Crusaders grow and grow and grow. Again, thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page, all at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. Read them all. The intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Pick up the phone. Uh, so how about you read the Percy Klebo one? Okay. <clears throat> what are you saying? I can't read. It's not your strong suit. <laughs> I still love you. I know. I know.